0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, we're going to discuss the sexually explicit satanic new song from the rapper Lil Nas X. What makes it especially evil is that he spent the last two years carefully cultivating a following of very young children. So once again, the music industry preys on kids. Also, five headlines, including the trial of Derek Chauvin, gets underway. Joe Biden says it's our patriotic duty to wear masks. And the CDC director has basically an emotional breakdown on TV. In our daily cancellation, we'll talk about the teacher who's caught on video trying to racially brainwash a student. The video is is pretty disturbing, but important. So we'll play that, all of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. The discussion around the new song and video from Lil Nas X, which features the rapper sliding down to hell on a stripper pole and giving a lap dance to Satan, has mostly focused on the allegedly shocking nature of the content. But there's nothing new about a musical artist, I use that term loosely, resorting to satanic imagery in order to generate publicity and controversy. Guys like Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, you know, they were doing it in the 90s. Metal bands were doing it before them. Ozzy Osbourne was decapitating bats with his teeth on stage two decades before Lil Nas X was even born. The fact that all of this stuff has been done before doesn't make it any less abhorrent, but it does make it banal and uninteresting. We have we have reason to object to this sort of material, but no reason to be shocked by it, is the point. We also miss the point if we're focused only on the content itself, as if it exists in a vacuum. If, if Lil Nas X is blazing any new trails, it's only because he's the first person, I think, to go this route less than a year after performing with Elmo on Sesame Street.
1: This is the song, la 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 Elmo song, la 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 la, la 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 Elmo song, la la la, la la la, la la Oh, look at you. La la la, la la la, la la la. He loves to sing, la 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 Elmo song, la 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 la, la la
0: la la Elmo song. Now. There he is on Sesame Street with, with, his, uh, with his first hit, Old Town Road, a song so bad that it makes you long for the traditional country stylings of, you know, Luke Bryan. Lil Nas X gained a large audience of very young children. And this was no accident. The rapper and his handlers made a decision to cultivate this fan base with appearances on children's television shows like you just saw, performances at elementary schools, they even released a children's book. Now, in an appearance on The View less than three months ago, he explicitly attributed his success to children. Let's listen to that. Well, you know, uh, with the success of Old Town Road, you know, majority of that success I will like attribute to kids. Uh, and they like, they love this song so much. And I, this idea to do oh. a children's book was bought, brought to me, and I was like, this makes perfect sense. Now, around the same time, a headline on NPR's uh, website, also from a few months ago, reports, quote, Lil Nas X says children are his core audience right now, and that's okay. Well, turns out it's really not okay. While responding to the backlash on Twitter this week, the artist said that he, he, quote, had nine months to plan this rollout and bragged that, quote, y'all are not going to win, talking about his critics like me. Now, while while he deserves praise for composing a mostly coherent tweet there with correct punctuation, a bar that he doesn't often seem to reach, what this boast really confirms is that he and his record label were very intentionally building his kindergarten fan base while also planning at the same time this move into demonic and pornographic territory. Marilyn Manson, you know, Uh, wasn't doing sing-alongs with Elmo or appearing on The View to talk about his children's book three months before Antichrist Superstar came out. The record industry, along with Hollywood, has always had designs on your children. We know that. What makes this notable right now is how incredibly blatant it is and how young their targets are. Granted, you know, it's, it's not the fault of Lil Nas X or his record label, Columbia Records, by the way, if you allowed your five-year-old to listen to his music on repeat. That doesn't get them off the hook. The fact that you shouldn't have allowed them to prey on your kids doesn't provide them a moral justification for doing so. Still, it's worth noting uh, the lyrics to the song that elementary schools invited Lil Nas X to come perform. Here's part of the second verse. It says, Riding on a tractor, lean all in my bladder, cheated on my baby, you can go and ask her. My life is a movie, bull riding and boobies. Now, not only is this the most aggressively stupid assemblage of words that the English language has ever been forced to endure, is also not exactly family-friendly. I mean, why were you letting your kids sing this? He is, after all, singing about driving his tractor while hopped up on cough syrup and alcohol after cheating on his significant other. If you let your third grader go around singing the line, My life is a movie, bull riding and boobies, A significant amount of the blame has to fall at your own feet. But this, again, does not excuse the music industry predators who are trying to remake your children in their own image as brain-dead degenerates. But it, it, it does provide a valuable learning opportunity. The lesson is that the entertainment industry, with rare exception, is not on your side. It has its own notions about what sort of person your child should be, what values he should hold, what ideas he should have, how he should speak, what he should, what he should what he should wear, everything, who he should hang out with, how he should conduct himself. And not only has these plans for your kid, but it also possesses perhaps the most powerful mechanism for enacting them: art. You know, even bad art moves people in ways. That no other medium can, which is why, by the way, it's also very stupid when you hear even conservatives who will look at something like this and they'll say, "Well, it's just a song. What's the big deal? Don't make a big deal out of it. It's just a song." Oh yeah, well, that's right. It's, it's it's only art. It's only the number one thing that moves and motivates people. That's all it is. It's 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 something that perhaps like nothing else can can mold a, you know, your, your heart and your mind. That's it. No big deal. You morons. Now, it's, it's likely that millions of children who are subscribed to the Lil Nas X YouTube channel um, and allowed by foolish parents to use YouTube without supervision, it's, it's likely that millions of them were exposed to his Satan lap dance video over the weekend, which was put out without warning. Of course, no attempt made by uh, the rapper himself or the record label to warn anybody or say, hey, you know, we're, we're making a move now into adult territory. Uh, don't let your kid watch this. If they're subscribed to our YouTube channel, probably unsubscribe. None of that. Of course. YouTube itself puts parental filters on all kinds of videos, especially videos that contain conservative political opinions. But they didn't put one on the video with the guy singing about performing fellatio on another man while gyrating on the devil's lap. Now, this doesn't mean, when you think about all these kids exposed to this over the weekend, um, this doesn't mean that all all of them are going to run off and join the satanic temple. Maybe some of them will. But it does mean that they will be exposed and were exposed to depraved ideas and images that they don't understand and can't mentally filter or process. All they're gonna know is that the message is coming from their favorite singer, the man who wrote that fun book and sang that silly song on Sesame Street, and so it can't be that bad. This is how the grooming process works. And it's why you have to protect your children from it because nobody else will. Now let's get to our five headlines. Before we get to our five headlines, I wanna tell you about our sponsors ReadyWise. You never know what's gonna happen, what emergency might happen. Nobody knew that Texas was gonna lose power for several days. Uh, here in Nashville, we had major flooding last week. Uh, hard, hard to predict these kinds of things, especially, especially you know you might know a few days ahead of time. You're not gonna know weeks and weeks and weeks ahead of time. And that's why you need uh, ReadyWise. ReadyWise is the leader in emergency food supplies. They've got emergency meals, freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition. They've also got adventure meals for hiking, camping, and other outdoor activities. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. Order online and you can have nutritious meals shipped directly to your door uh, very quickly. When preparing our meals, all you need is four cups of water. The water doesn't even have to be hot. You simply pour the food into the water. You stir and cover after about 15 minutes. The meal is ready. It is that simple. Some meals can be prepared even directly in the pouch. ReadyWise uses the finest ingredients and latest food preparation technology to ensure optimal taste and freshness. Uh, so you don't have to sacrifice taste. But at the same time, the main point here is got to be ready. You don't know what's going to happen. This week, my listeners can get 10% off ReadyWise.com when entering Walsh at checkout or by calling 855-475-3089. ReadyWise is a 30-day, no-questions-asked return policy, so there's no risk in taking the initiative to get you and your family prepared today. That's ReadyWise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com. Promo code Walsh to get 10% off. All right, so the uh, Derek Chauvin trial got underway yesterday in, um, in Minneapolis. And n- n- not a lot of, it- it's just starting now, so not a lot of news really to, to come out of the trial itself, um, except that the continued threats, and there was more of this on social media yesterday, some, some bigger platforms, bigger accounts, um, and we've seen this now for months, it explicitly threatening and saying, if this trial doesn't go the way we want, we're going to burn down the city again. Which is why if if there was any real interest here in a fair trial, uh, at a minimum, they would have moved the trial to a different place. Because there's simply no way that, or or, or it would seem very unlikely that Derek Chauvin could get a fair trial It'd be hard to find anywhere in a country where you get one, but certainly not there, of all places. This is this is the threat. Now, normally, um, when you've got people threatening jurors with 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 harm, whether to them physically or to their communities, if they don't come to a certain verdict, like that's normally ground for a, grounds for a mistrial. And that's what's happening here. They say, give us what we want. Or we're going to burn down the city and a bunch of other cities too. Burn down, by the way, our own communities. Give us what we want. Or we're going to burn our own neighborhoods to the ground to show how concerned we are about systemic racism. And it just it it just goes to show again that uh, what has been clear from the beginning, of course, is and that is that you know the left, the media, they are not at all interested in. Getting to the truth of the situation, they're not at all interested in justice. This isn't about George Floyd. It never was. Uh, this certainly is not about police brutality. It was never about police brutality. If it, if 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 the real if the concern here by BLM and the media and the left was police brutality and that's what they were worried about and that's what they were speaking out about, then um, there are many. Clear, clear cases of police brutality that have been caught on video that they would be using to make their point. They would at least be protesting over, but they don't. you've heard me talk about plenty of times uh, the case of Daniel Shaver. But that that case maybe if you it, it, there there are so many things that that discredit the BLM has done so much to discredit itself from the very beginning. Uh, I mean the the very first case really that. Um, uh, around which BLM was born, the Michael Brown case that, that discredited him right off the bat because that was all a false narrative and Michael Brown was um, entirely guilty of trying to kill the officer and brought his his death on him on, on his own self. but any but if there's if there's one other case we wanted to look to point to that would discredit BLM and prove what they're really about it's, it's it is uh, the Daniel Shaver case because this was the guy in um, I believe it was, it was in Arizona. A uh, white guy on video in a hotel in a in a the the hallway of a hotel um crawling on his knees at the at the commands according to the commands of the police officers there are more than one police two or three police officers in the hallway training guns on him telling him to get on his knees giving him all kinds of confusing instructions first saying get on your knees put your hands up at one point, telling him, put your hands up and then also crawl. Like, how are you supposed to crawl while also having your hands up? I don't know how that's supposed to work. But Daniel Shaver has guns trained on him. And they're and they're, they're threatening to shoot him multiple times, saying, we're going to shoot you. And um, and he's also been drinking, which that's not against the law to drink in a hotel room. And he's getting all these instructions. And he he tries to follow them. He makes one false move. It's like a game of Simon Says. He makes one false move and they shoot him dead. All on video. The worst police shooting that has ever been caught on tape. I think we can say that. There's no. And then the officers in that case, or the one officer anyway, was acquitted. The only officer to be charged was acquitted. The acquittal happened a couple of years ago. Do you remember any riots in response to that? BLM was active by then, had been active for years. No riots. There were a couple of scattered protests. No big major headlines. Most people don't know this guy's name. George Floyd, he's got all the uh, murals and, and everything else. So why did they skip over that case? If you're concerned about police brutality, there you go. It would make no sense to skip over that. Well, they skip it, obviously, because the guy's white. And they, don't care, and they hate white people. And they don't care if white people die. In fact, they're probably happy that he he died. And it's also not about police brutality at all. Right now, Derek Chauvin's situation is, doesn't doesn't matter, guilty or not, he is a representative of of white America, really. He, He is now a representative of the perceived sins of whiteness. And they need him to pay a price. Not for what he did, but on behalf of all evil white people everywhere. And if he doesn't pay that price, they're going to burn the city and many other cities to the ground. Okay, number two. Yesterday, Joe Biden called on Americans to do their patriotic duty, which I think is, that's an important thing for presidents to encourage Americans to do. But our ideas now of what a patriotic duty entails Those ideas have really changed. Let's listen to Joe Biden. I'm reiterating
1: my call for every governor, mayor, and local leader to maintain and reinstate the mask mandate. Please, this is not politics. Reinstate the mandate if you let it down. And businesses require masks as well. The failure to take this virus seriously, precisely what got us in this mess in the first place, risks more cases and more deaths. Look, as I do my part to accelerate the vaccine distribution and vaccinations, I need the American people to do their part as well. Mask up. Mask up. It's a patriotic duty. It's the only way we ever get back to normal. To cheer together in stadiums full of fans. To gather together on holidays again safely. Go to graduations, weddings.
0: What is with the whispering? Please, I need you to do your patriotic duty. He whispers. He goes from whispering to shouting. At one point I said, I think he said something about avoiding all the desks, but he meant death. I think I picked up on that. Words are slurring together. As always, the vacant look in his eyes. But this is our patriotic duty now, is to uh, obey. Is to obey him. That's what our patriotic duty is. To simply obey what, uh, what we're told. And to muzzle ourselves when we're out in public. Even though at this point, hundreds of millions of Americans are, would be immune because either they've got the vaccine or they've already had the virus. So many, many, many millions. When you go out in public and you're at Walmart or whatever, a, a large portion of the people there are immune to, to, from the, to the virus. Either because of prior exposure or because they they had the vaccine. Yeah, Biden wants to reinstate the mask mandate everywhere. Now, uh, meanwhile, Harry Leitman at the LA Times, he tweeted this as we talk about vaccine passports, right? There's a, there's a move Biden administration is, is thinking about and stating this. Uh, Harry Liebman says, vaccine passports are a good idea. Among other things, it will single out the, the still large contingent of people who refuse vaccines, who will now be foreclosed from doing a lot of things their peers can do? That should help break the resistance down. So not only do we want to force you to wear the mask, but uh, we're going to break. We're going to break you. That's that's the, the language that's being used. We're going we're to break you um, with, with public shaming and f- foreclosing your opportunity to participate in society if you don't get the vaccine. I just love again how the uh, bodily autonomy argument by the left has been totally abandoned over the last year. Out the window. This completely got my body, my choice. Out the window now. Now, what we know is that they've thrown it out the window, but when this is all past and this is all over, whenever that is, like 10 years from now, um, they're going to go climb out the window and grab the bodily autonomy argument and drag it back inside and start using it again, and they'll get away with it too. Because a year from now, or two years from now, or a decade from now, whenever we're past this, um, and they start and they start doing my body, my choice, bodily autonomy in relation to abortion, and if you say, hey, wait a second, or you just saying, oh, that's whataboutism, you'll be accused of whataboutism. You can't do a whataboutism for some reason. When you're saying, okay, you're making this argument now. What about the argument you just made five seconds ago? For some reason, that's considered a cheap tactic and we're not supposed to do that. Now, the way around it, um, when I brought this up in the past, I've been told that that this is different because... um, you know, forcing someone to get a vaccine, forcing them to wear a mask. Uh, yeah, you're forcing them to do something with their own body, but it's it's all about uh, making sure that you don't harm somebody else. And so that's that's what this is really about. You can't they say you can't use the my body, my choice deal, because uh, this is not about your body. It's about someone else's body who you might harm. Oh, OK. So in an abortion. When You. Um, dismember the quote-unquote fetus, is that your own body or is that another body that you're harming? I'm pretty sure that's another body. So what you're telling us is that it's okay sometimes to require someone to do something with their body, even to the extent of, of requiring them to inject a substance into their body. It's okay to require that, to mandate it by law, uh, for the sake of protecting another person's body. Huh? Well, okay. You know what? I, I would even take this deal. Um, I, I, I personally would. I would take this deal. If we can all agree that from now on, the my body, my choice uh, argument out the window, you can't use it anymore. And that, include, that that's, includes abortion. So, all right, you could do the mask mandate, you could even do the vaccine ma- mandate, but abortion—but you lose abortion. That's a deal I would take. All right, um, number three, the new CDC director had something of an emotional breakdown on TV. Not, not doing a lot to help women professionals all across the globe with this performance, but here she is.
2: When I first started at CDC about two months ago, I made a promise to you. I would tell you the truth, even if it was not the news we wanted to hear. Now is one of those times when I have to share the truth and I have to hope and trust you will listen. I'm gonna pause here, I'm gonna lose the script, and I'm gonna reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope, but right now I'm scared. Um, I know what it's like as a physician to stand in that patient room, gowned, gloved, masked, shielded, and to be the last person to touch someone else's loved one because their loved one couldn't be there. I know what it's like when you're the physician, when you're the healthcare provider, and you're worried that you don't have the resources to take care of the patients in front of you. I know that feeling of nausea, when you read the crisis standards of care and you wonder whether there are going to be enough ventilators to go around and who's going to make that choice. And I know what it's like to pull up to your hospital every day and see the extra morgue sitting outside. I didn't know at the time when it would would stop. We didn't have the science to tell us. We were just scared. We have come such a long way. Three historic, scientific breakthrough vaccines, and we are rolling them out so very fast. So I'm speaking today not necessarily as your CDC director, and not only as your CDC director, but as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, to ask you to just please hold on a little while longer. I so badly want to be done. I know you all so badly want to be done. We are just almost there, but not quite yet.
0: So they, they just can't stand the fact, first of all, that people are, it, the, the virus is receding. And I think they're not, they can't stand that because they, they can't stand the idea that they're going to lose a lot of the power that they have and a lot of prominence that they have right now. Um, virus is receding. Millions of people are um, immune. Uh, we're getting into the warmer months. People are, uh, lots of people are feeling better. They want to they get out. They want to resume their lives. People like this. this woman at CDC, you know, she sees these images of, uh, of Americans walking outside, enjoying the sunshine. And maybe they don't have a mask on, God forbid. They're at the beach, feeling like they're getting their life back. The kids are out again at the playground. You know, this isn't the case everywhere, unfortunately, but more and more. And uh, me, I, I see this, and any, and hopefully you, any normal, well-adjusted person, you see this and you feel great about it. This is Finally, finally. But uh, CDC director, Joe Biden, Dr. Fauci, these people... These anti-human bureaucrats, they see it and it, it fills them with rage because they know that they're losing their grip. They're losing control over people. And they don't like it. And so now she's on TV crying and saying that she's scared and she has a feeling of impending doom. As I said, not not, not a great performance in terms of um, representing for Female professionals saying she's scared and it's impending in, in doom. It's receding. We're getting past it. And you're talking about impending doom? They really can't. They don't want to let go. They cannot let go. All right. Um, let's see. Here's a story out of Australia where they not only have to deal with man-eating spiders, but they're going insane on top of it just like everywhere else. You know, the rest, the rest of us are going crazy also, but at least we don't have the spiders. Uh, they've got both things to deal with in Australia. Here's the story there. Let's watch.
2: Parents at a Victorian school are outraged after their sons were forced to stand up at a school assembly and say, sorry for sexism. The boys at the college in Warrnambool were told to apologize to girls for offensive behavior on behalf of their gender. He said that he was made to stand up and basically apologize. It wasn't explained properly to the male students what they were doing or why they were doing it. The school now admits while their intentions were good, they got it wrong in this
0: case. No, actually, I don't think the intentions were good at all. You were trying to shame boys for being boys. They had to apologize on behalf of their own gender. This is the the collective race-based and gender-based guilt that is part of the leftist cult. One of the the essential foundational parts of their religious cult, of their doctrine, is the idea of collective guilt. Uh, That's that's based on... on, uh, It's it's sort of like their own version their own perverse version of original sin, except in this case, it's based on race and it's based on gender. Okay, number five from the Jerusalem Post. It says, Earth is safe from a potential calamity-causing asteroid for the next 100 years, according to NASA. The announcement clears up fears that had lingered since 2004 when the asteroid 9942 was identified as one of the most hazardous potential asteroids that could strike the planet. However, this has now been ruled out thanks to a growing understanding of how the asteroid in its orbit Uh, of the asteroid and its orbit by astronomers, as well as new radar observations using precise orbit analysis. At an estimated 1,000 feet in diameter, the asteroid was set to veer close to the planet in 2029. Later assessments pushed that back to 2036 and then to 2068. Now, there's a high degree of confidence among uh, astronomers that there is no chance of it impacting Earth. And now they're saying that we have about 100 years, probably, where we don't have to worry about any asteroids hitting the Earth and destroying all mankind. And I know you probably feel exactly as I do when I read this, and it, and, and that is sorely disappointed. This is the this is the worst news we've gotten in weeks. This was this was our this was this was the escape plan. We always had that asteroid. Anytime I saw you see a little Nas, little Nas X's video, you see that, you think, well, look, at least we got the asteroid, put us all out of our misery. Not anymore. We got to wait 100 years. That's too bad. Okay, uh, a bonus here. I also wanted to mention this before we get into uh, YouTube comments and daily cancellation. Just because it gives me a chance to, speaking of YouTube, it gives me a chance to plug some content on, on YouTube. I did a review of Addison Rae's new pop single on my YouTube channel, which you can go watch. If you don't know who Addison Rae is, well, then you're in the boat that I was in about three days ago before I did the video. But apparently she's a TikTok star who now uh, is a pop star. She, she came up with this pop song. Um, and she went on um, The Tonight Show to promote this song and do a little dancing, and now she's in trouble. Here's the LA Times reporting. They say, many of TikTok's viral dance challenges were started by black creators, but you wouldn't know that by watching Friday's episode of The Tonight Show, which saw one of the app's biggest stars, Addison Ray, perform several dances without crediting their choreographers. What was intended as a fun moment between Ray and host Jimmy Fallon, who are both white backfired over the weekend as Twitter users demanded recognition for the people whose choreography was featured on the show. So she did some racist dancing. I think we have the video. Let's just play some of the video here of uh, so you can see what this racist dancing looks like from Addison Rae. Can we play this? Okay. And they just... Now, they're, they're going through and doing these different... I guess these are all viral dance challenges and she's going through and doing all these, these dances. Which... First thing is, I don't watch late night shows at all. But um, aren't they supposed to be funny? Is this is this supposed to be a funny gag? She's dancing. Though it is kind of funny because she's so bad at it. That's the most shocking thing to me. I don't know anything about this woman, but now she's a pop star. A lot of a lot of fans. But with pop stars, you expect them. Yeah, the music's going to be terrible. Uh, but you expect them at least to know how to dance. And this, to me, strikes me as really bad dance. And the third point I will make here, just watching that, is... Um we could turn this off. Okay, that's enough of that. The jeans that she's wearing. So she's got these, what are, what are these, the mom jeans, really baggy, holes in the jeans. And I guess, is this, this is the style now? now I don't want to bring up, we're not getting into the skinny jean conversation again. I'm, I'm only saying, and I'm not advocating for skinny jeans, don't accuse me of it. I'm only saying, I, what is happening right now? The, I guess this is what the kids are doing now. The super baggy jeans with holes in them. You know, and no, I, I ref, I'm not going... I, we, I live that life, okay? We, as millennials, we, we've done that. We've been there. We did that in the 90s. Can we... I, I guess my only question is, can we as a society... I know we can't agree on much. We can't come to very many compromises on anything, but can we sit down and have a conversation and figure and and, and and settle on one style of jeans? I don't understand why it has to change drastically every eight years. Can we settle on one style? Something really basic, boot cut, whatever. I don't know why we can't do that. Um, and I, you know, when I was a kid, I did think the baggy jeans style was, you know, fashionable, but looking at it now, it, it looks completely ridiculous. Okay. Let's moving on to, uh, move on to reading the YouTube comments. This is from Big Mac. He says, all we have to do is argue that you should need a vaccine passport to vote and watch how quickly the left will abandon the idea. That's, that is, that is an interesting point. Now, I, I hope that by the time we get to voting, uh, even in 2022, we're not still having this conversation about vaccine passports, but uh, you know, that might be optimistic. So we'll see. We'll see how they handle that. Um, Cade says, Matt blinks too loudly, so his wife retaliates by putting syrup in the fridge. I love this marriage. <laughs> That's closer to the reality than you, than you might think. Um, Aaron Peacock says, hey, Matt, just want to say thank you for this podcast. I believe you're one of the most important voices of our time. So many will roll their eyes because you choose to talk about statues being torn down, trans story out in pre-K, uh, and the garbage on TikTok. But I believe these are huge cultural topics that need addressing. Thanks for being unashamedly a Christian, unabashedly conservative, and unashamedly a man. Oh, and the beard is looking grisly. No cap, my guy. Everything was going so well, Aaron, towards the very end there. When you're teetering on the It's very nice, but you're teetering on the edge of getting banned now with a phrase like no cap. I don't know what that means, no cap. Grizzly, no cap, my guy. Is that all one expression or is. Um, Katie Lee says, speaking as a pale girl, am I being discriminated against with Band-Aids too? The shade is far too dark for me. This goes both ways. There are plenty of Latinos, Asians and Arabs uh, with that skin tone as well. Yeah, We learned yesterday that um, uh, a a teacher on TikTok was talking about how another example of white privilege is that Band-Aids only match white people. And I did have the same thought. On top of everything else, how stupid the uh, it is in general. Um, Band aids are generally darker, I think, than most white people. Right? Um, and another comment says, "Wait, wait, wait! You said, you said, raised in homes without fathers, then you automatically go straight to black children as if other races don't have this issue as well." Screw this, dude. Yeah, no, I, I think I mentioned that the fatherless home problem. Is increasingly a problem across the country, uh, in all communities. And I think, I, I, I think the number is like thirty percent. I could be wrong about that, generally in America. But you also can't get around the fact that in the black community, the fatherless home uh, figure is seventy percent, more than seventy percent. And if you narrow that down to the inner cities, it's even higher than that. That is that's those are, those are catastrophic numbers. Okay. The numbers in the white community for Father's Home, those numbers are really, really bad, but 70% is catastrophic. And so, yes, we need to talk about that, even if it is uncomfortable. Finally, Joshua says, here's my relationship advice. Don't listen to people who say a marriage takes work. If your relationship takes work, move on. If you truly cared about and accepted your spouse for who they are, you shouldn't have to work to like each other. Th- I have to say, Joshua, that is the worst m- marriage advice I have ever, ever heard. If it takes work, move on. Terrible advice. And I'm not gonna ban you from the show because I think you need, to, you need to keep watching so you learn a few things. Hopefully you're not married. Or I assume you, if, you, if you were married, you weren't married for very long with an attitude like that. No, um, yes, a marriage does take work. Anything worth doing takes work. Parenting takes work. Oh, yes, it, it, it does require work. You have to work on yourself. You have to work on your relationship. You have to do all. You have to do work in the house. You have to do all kinds of work. That's part of life. Anything um, that you can derive real joy from, any any source, any potential so- source of true joy and happiness and fulfillment and contentment, is going to require work as well. I. The only thing, the only credit I'll give you, is uh, this may apply a little bit to non-married relationships. So if you're only dating and you find that the relationship requires a lot of work, even there, where it's still very new, and um, you're you know you're, you're not you're not married yet, you don't have that commitment, you don't have a family yet. And you find you've been dating someone, say, for like three months. And it requires a lot of work to keep it going. Then, yeah. Okay. There, I would say cut ties and move on. Three months into a a dating relationship, it shouldn't require a whole lot of work. So if you're doing work already, then, yeah, I think there's a good time. Send a quick text message. That's all you got to do. And say, listen, this isn't working out. And uh, and go your separate ways. And it'll be fine. You'll forget about each other in, in a couple months. But marriage is a different deal. Marriage requires work, for sure. You know, as conservatives, we all say that we value the Constitution. We value our Second Amendment rights. But how many of us have taken the time to study these issues? How many of us have taken the time to learn the skills that we need to defend um, our rights and our liberties? Well, my friends over at constitutioncoach.com have a lot of great programs for equipping citizens to defend liberty by studying and living out the Constitution. I experienced myself the um, constitutional defense course and this is something you—you have I can tell you about it and I have, but you've got to experience it on your own. Um, you get an amazing combination of intellectual ammunition and live classes with Rick Green, America's Constitution coach. And then you also get the physical training at the premier firearms training facility in the nation. you got to see this place, by the way. It's very impressive. You get all this in the same course, okay? You get to join hundreds of other patriots from across the nation for a time of learning, training, and fellowship with like-minded people, whether you have... You know, if you've you've shotguns your whole life or if you've never touched one, if you're somewhere in between, whatever it is, I'm telling you, these people took me to an entirely new skill level and they're going to do the same for you, guaranteed. So go to constitutioncoach.com. With all the instability in the U.S. these days, you don't want to wait to learn these skills. Rick and the Constitution team um, have another class on April 25th, but it's going to fill up fast. So visit constitutioncoach.com today and watch my video there to find out more about how you could be a part of this one-of-a-kind training at constitutioncoach.com. Now, as you've probably heard, Candace joined The Daily Wire a few weeks ago with the premiere of her new talk show, Candice. Uh, the show streams on dailywire.com Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, but you can get the audio podcast, Candace, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Candace hosts a series of guests on the show e- each week, um, making for lively panel discussions and insi- insightful interviews as well. Featured guests have included Jocko Willink, Brandon Tatum, uh, John Rich, and also this week I'll be on the show. Most important thing of all. If you, can, if you can't attend the show in person, you can tweet your questions to at the Candace Show for a chance to have Candace answer your questions at the end of the show. So if you need some Candace Owens in your podcast feed, look no further. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe today. Um, and also remember to become a member so you can watch the whole show. Um, DailyWire.com code Candace. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we're going to cancel a teacher in Virginia's Loudoun County Public School District, though really we could cancel the whole school district itself as it is a constant source of exactly the sort of lunacy we're going to discuss today. As the Daily Wire reports, quote, video footage shows a Virginia public school teacher bullying a student for saying that he takes a colorblind approach to observing people. A school teacher in Virginia's Loudoun County Public School District, one of the wealthiest districts in the nation, was caught on tape telling a student that it's important to see racial differences when observing people. For a class assignment, the teacher posted a photo of two females, one with white skin and red hair, another with black skin and black hair. Students were asked to observe what they saw in the picture. One unnamed student responded by saying he saw just two people chilling. The teacher called the student intentionally coy for not categorizing the women by their race. Okay, let's, let's actually, we have the audio of that moment. Let's play that now. The, the
3: story behind this picture, um, I'd rather hold on to that, just tell me,
0: tell me what, what this seems to be a picture of. It's just two people chilling.
3: Right, just two people. <laughs> That's nothing more to this picture?
0: No, nah, not really. Just two people chilling.
3: I don't believe that you believe that. Um, I don't believe that you look at this as just two people. Um, it Truly, is just two
0: people, though, maybe. is it not?
3: Yeah, but I think you're being—I think you're being—I um, think you're being intentionally coy about what this is a picture
0: of. <laughs> what are you being coy about? It's two people standing back to back in a picture.
3: Yeah, and that's all you see—is two people.
0: I'm—I'm I'm confused on what you would like me to to speak I don't, on in that sense. I don't sense. think
3: you are. I don't know why you do this. Um, I'm not trying to call you out but you 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 know you come out off of mute to talk about what this is a picture of and you act as if as if you know there's nothing noticeable about this apart from the the two people.
0: Well, I'm confused. are you trying to get me to say that there are two different races in this picture? Yeah, is that so what I am you you to say? To say? That. Well at the end of the day wouldn't that just be feeding into the problem of looking at race instead of just acknowledging them as two normal people? If we're going for... Let's say if we're looking for equality within all this, then why would we need to point out things such as that?
3: Because those things, those differences are real things.
0: Uh, A few points to make here. First, this is what brainwashing sounds like in real time. The only difference between that and most public school brainwashing is that in, in this case, the student had the wherewithal to resist it. Now consider that most kids, not even kids, but all people, adults do don't really possess the critical thinking skills and backbone necessary to defy a perceived authority figure in that way. And they especially are incapable of thinking and acting for themselves when the issue at hand is something as toxic and emotionally charged as race and racism. Because the implied threats, and sometimes overt overt threat of course, is always, if you don't agree with me and adopt the correct views, you will be racist. Most people cave to that threat very easily. Because in our culture today, being called racist, is the—that that is the worst thing you can be labeled. Even worse than being labeled like a pedophile. To be, to be labeled a racist is the worst. And most people will cave to it immediately. Now, for kids, you can't blame them when they cave because they're just kids. For adults, I do blame them. Yet that doesn't stop them from doing it. Also, notice the nature of this brainwashing, right? The students, they're not just being taught to believe something, like to believe a certain proposition, to accept certain facts, to remember certain bits of data. Rather, they're being told how to think. The teacher is telling them how to see other people. Think about that. He wants to change the way they fundamentally view other human beings. And he wants to do this because he subjectively, personally, thinks that people should see other humans this way. This is apparently how he sees other people, judging them by their race first and foremost. And his mission now is to get the kids, uh, their kid, the kids brains to work the same way that his does. He's like, a, it's like, imagine a schizophrenic insisting that his students must all learn how to hear voices in their head like he does. It, it's quite disturbing to think about and even more disturbing when you consider that millions of students encounter this kind of mental conditioning every day. And as we established, most are not going to be able to withstand it. Second point, there's a great irony in this exchange. Uh, I believe that the girls in the picture are named Lucy and Maria Aylmeyer. The only reason I know know the name is that they're a relatively well-known case of twin sisters who appear to be different races. They have a white father and a Jamaican mother. This is a rare instance where twins with interracial parents end up individually resembling the race of one parent or the other. But of course, those girls are the same race. They have the same genetic ethnic mix, just manifesting itself differently on the outside. The point is that the student was more right than he realized. He saw them as two people. He didn't see them initially as two different races, or at least he wasn't focused on that. If he had said, oh, I see a black woman and a white woman, he would have been wrong. He would have been judging them based on their appearance and it would have led him to a false conclusion. So he avoided the false conclusion by not focusing on outward appearance, And that's what got him in trouble with the teacher. The teacher was mad at him because he wasn't wrong. He said that two plus two equals four, and the teacher yelled at him for not saying that it equals five. Third point. Finally, this relates back to that Sesame Street clip we played last week, not the one with the little Nas X. There's been a lot of Sesame Street related content on the show recently. Um, Sesame Street introduced some black Muppets whose job is to teach four-year-olds about critical race theory. Gone are the days of Cookie Monster teaching that C is for cookie. You know, they won't even let the poor guy have his cookies anymore because of the obesity epidemic. Um, In any case, in the clip, the puppet says that what's on the outside is what makes us who we are. This is the same message that the teacher in the video is trying to hammer home. But this not only directly contradicts what we were all taught growing up and not only encourages exactly the kind of racism that they're supposedly trying to prevent but it also, of course, flies in the face of every single thing they say about gender. If what's on the outside makes us who we are, then wouldn't a penis make you a man? If, if you're supposed to notice somebody's race and find significance in it, then shouldn't we notice their sex and find significance in that? Well, apparently not. We've learned that, at least in the confused mind of the modern left, That even though your biological sex is more ingrained and more immutable than your race, still somehow your race is this changeless identifying characteristic while your sex is fluid, ever-changing, and ultimately inconsequential. It is totally incoherent, but that's part of the point. You're not supposed to understand. You are supposed to simply accept and obey. And even if you don't believe it, at least pretend you believe it. This is the message, especially in the school system. And it's why you should think twice before sending your kids into it. Especially the Loudoun County School District in Virginia, which in any case is now canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Claven Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vadosky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Joe Biden wants a new round of mask mandates. Christy Nome won't go all the way to fight gender ideology. And Guatemala teaches the U.S. how to deal with caravans of foreign nationals. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.